Good to see you guys. Uh, for all of you who are listening and watching online, good morning. Uh, I hope you're enjoying uh, your time at home. I can't wait to see you guys in just a few weeks to uh, continue to gather together and be the family of God. Uh, so last week, Ricky uh, walked us through Psalm 19, right? And in Psalm 19, we saw the beauty of God's glory in creation. But we also saw the beauty of God's glory in His Word and in His perfect law that He's given to us, that we're able to see who He is through His Word and through His creation, and it's absolutely beautiful and wonderful, and we should praise Him for it, we should thank Him for it, right? And so today we continue the thread of walking through the Psalms, and so we'll be in Psalm 34, as Ricky just read. Uh, so if you'd like to open up your Bibles there and follow along, but uh, as we get started in Psalm 34, I I'd love to give you the background uh, of why David wrote this psalm, what happened to him, what caused him to write this psalm and to praise God in this way. The story originally comes from 1 Samuel chapter uh, 21, verses 10 to 15. It's a short story that we see in probably one of the craziest stories that we read in Scripture. Uh, David has been running from King Saul at this time. He's persecuted by his predecessor who wants to kill him. And, and so David is running and running for his life. He's terrified. And so he runs to this city called Gath. Gath is a Philistine city. The Philistines are the Israelites' enemies, right? Now, one other crazy uh, thing about Gath is that someone who's a prominent figure, figure in, am I saying that right? Figure? Figure? I don't, okay. Someone who's a prominent figure in David's life uh, is from Gath, Goliath. Goliath, who all the years back, was the great Philistine warrior who David came and killed their greatest warrior. I can't imagine how awkward David feels running to that very city and terrified. He's so scared that he goes to his enemy for protection. How wild is that? And then while he's there, some servants of the king, Achish, they see David. And they go, oh my gosh, that's David, the Israelite. That, that's David, who, who they sing songs to. That's David, who killed our very own warrior, Goliath. And so they go, we should capture him. We should go get him. And so they go and they capture David. And in the midst of all of this, David gets this wild idea. I'm going to act crazy. Maybe they'll let me go. And so he starts drooling and kind of spitting all over his face. He starts grabbing at the gate's door, and they bring him to King Achish while he's acting like an absolute madman. And the king goes, what would you bring him to me for? Get him out of here. He's crazy. And David's free. It's short five verses that's just like, what just happened? And it leads David to write this psalm. It leads David to praise God and to sing to him and to worship him. And in uh, Psalm 34, we get to see three specific things that David proclaims. We get to see that he proclaims that we should magnify the Lord, that we should fear the Lord, and that we have redemption in the Lord. So read with me again verses uh, 1 to 7. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. 
And oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So David is overjoyed that God has saved him. David is overjoyed that God delivered him from the hands of the Philistines, right? That God uh, intervened, and David celebrates to the deepest core in his body. He says, my soul boasts in the Lord. His joy is so evident as we read the beautiful psalm that he writes that God, that he's celebrating how amazing his God is, that he's celebrating how good God is, that he's celebrating and praising God and boasting in the Lord that he has. To the point to where he wants others to see. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Come on and celebrate God with me. Let me tell you of what he's done in my life, right? He says, celebrate God with me. Magnify the Lord with me. And when he says magnify the Lord, right? This word just means to make a big deal of. To glorify. To, to continue to rejoice deep down into your bones how amazing God is. And he invites each and every single one of us. To magnify God with him. To praise God, to boast deep down in our soul. Would we praise God continually? Would we make a big deal of God? David blesses the Lord with his mouth each and every single day. So the question for us is, do we do that? Do we boast in the Lord deep down in our soul? Do we bless the Lord at all times? Do we continually sing His praises each and every single day? When's the last time you actually stopped and praised God? When's the last time you actually paused and glorified Him and thanked Him for how magnificent He is? I, I, I'm not just saying like a quick, oh yeah, praise God. Or, oh, that's a really cool story, thank God. But I'm actually asking, when's the last time you stopped and you said, oh my gosh, Lord, you're so amazing. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. When's the last time we actually stopped to praise God? As I was reading this psalm and studying it, I was personally convicted, right? Because I asked myself that very question and I said, man, when's the last time I actually blessed the Lord? When's the last time I actually stopped and reflected and praised him? Rather than just being like, oh gosh, that's great. praise God, that was cool. You know, I shared with all of you guys about my grandma and how I wept and, and just prayed that God would be merciful and, and rid her of the coronavirus, and he did that. So when people would ask me, hey, how's your grandma doing? I'd be like, oh, she's doing great, praise God. I never actually stopped and thanked him for the fact that he heard my prayer and he answered I was so convicted that I, I stopped and I said, oh my gosh, Lord, I never actually thanked you other than just saying a quick couple of words. Maybe some of you have the exact same story. I, I hope not, but I, I, I hope that this would just speak to you and that you would say, when's the last time I actually praised God? Why, why do we do that? Why are we so quick to ask God to move in our lives? And yet so slow to actually give him the glory and honor that he deserves. 
Why is that? It's because sometimes we actually view God as someone who serves us, right? We start to believe the lie that he's just there to answer prayers for us, that he's just there to do something cool in our lives, and so we beg him for it, and then if he does answer our prayer, we celebrate for just a tiny bit, and then we keep going and asking for something else. Or if he doesn't answer our prayer, we stand uh, stomping and angry like the child who didn't get the candy in the store, right? We get frustrated that God doesn't answer our prayers the way we expect him to. It's because we believe the lie that God serves us. But really, we serve Him. We worship Him. He's who our life is about. God deserves the glory. We should give Him the glory and the credit. And we should continually praise Him each and every single day. Would you magnify God with me? Would you continue to sing His praises? Would your soul boast in how beautiful and wonderful the Lord is? David magnifies God because God answers his prayer, right? God delivers him from the hands of the Philistine. God saves him and intervenes in his life. And so he lives another day. And he praises God because of it. As we read in this psalm, David writes out that the poor man cried. David was the poor man who cried. And there are often times when we are the man or woman who cries out to God. And he hears our prayers. We can do the same thing that David does. We can stop and magnify God and praise Him and celebrate the fact that He's continued to deliver us from multiple things in our lives, right? You could probably start to list all the things that the Lord's delivered you from, whether it's sin, whether it's pain, whether it's hurt. I, I can personally share that God's delivered me from depression, from drug dependence, from alcohol dependence, from self-idolization, from myself, that God has delivered me over and over again, and the list just pile on, so why am I not celebrating God that much? As He delivers me over and over again, we should rejoice. We should sing to His name. We all have moments of victory and moments where we see God move in our lives, and we should celebrate those victories due to God moving. But guess what? We also have something that we should never stop boasting in. That God has delivered us from the greatest thing that He could ever deliver us from, which is ourselves and our own sin. We should remember that God delivered us from eternal separation from Him. That He gave us eternal life through His Son, Jesus. That He came and He walked this very earth. And He looked at man. And while He bled, and while He died for us on that cross and raised three days later, he delivered us from our own sin. And because of that, we have life. And because of Jesus, he's delivered us from the thing that we need delivered from most, which is our own sin. We are no longer separated from God through Christ. This is something that we should rejoice in and sing his praises to, that we should always remember to boast in God. So would you magnify God with me? Would you remember that you sinned against the holy God? Would you remember that he came and he paid the price of your sin? And would you magnify him for it each and every single day? Because when we uh, don't stop to magnify God, we forget how amazing our salvation is. When we don't stop to magnify God, we forget how amazing our salvation is. Because if we're not continually boasting and praising in the name of Jesus... We stop 
And we start to forget everything that he's done. And we start to boast in ourselves all the more. When in reality we need to boast in him. Christ and Christ alone. Our souls should sing his praises. Would you magnify Jesus with me? Would you remember that he's delivered you from your sin? That you can have eternal life because of him? What a beautiful song that we can continue to sing each and every single day. That it's a free gift that he offered to us. Would you magnify God with me? And while we magnify the Lord, as David tells us to, he also invites us to fear the Lord. So, keep reading with me. Verses 8 through 14. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions that suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may seem good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you guys have a food that maybe you love snacking on? A food that comes to mind where you're just like, yeah, I'll eat that thing slowly. And I'm going to savor each and every single bite. Or, or you like it so much that you just eat it really, really fast. Right? So I've got two things that come to mind for me. McDonald's chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing. They're good. <laughs> I eat them really, really weirdly, though. And I'll describe it for you, and it might gross you out, but it's still amazing. <laughs> so I take each nugget, and I kind of bite around, like, the little crust on the side. And I savor it. And then I savor each of the, the top and the bottom side, and I eat that slowly. And then I'll eat, like, the actual, well, it's probably not, it's probably not actually the chicken, but I eat that. And I do that with all 20 of them. And I just enjoy them. Because they're absolutely amazing. And, and the next thing is a Snickers bar. So I, I do a similar thing with the Snickers bar, right? I, I start eating around the outside. I eat the chocolate. And then I eat the nougat on the bottom. And then I eat the, the caramel and the peanuts last. And I just enjoy it. And I just love them. And it's so easy for me to tell you that. It's so easy for me to be like, dude, you gotta savor those McNuggets. <laughs> you gotta savor that Snickers bar. You gotta taste it if you've never had it. It's absolutely amazing. Do we have the same response when we taste and see that God is good? Do we savor the beauty that He is? Are we quick to tell people, taste and see? Let me tell you about it. It's amazing. Let me tell you about the joy and the peace and the love that comes from Jesus himself. Are we quick to say, taste and see that the Lord is good as David tells us? It's so easy for us to easily talk about something else that we enjoy, right? Just in everyday conversation. Hey, how's a social distance and quarantine been? Oh man, 
I've been reading a, a couple of books that have been amazing. Oh, how's social distancing been? Yeah, it's been really cool to just run through this really funny episode of The Office where Kevin like has his chili and he spills it all over the floor. Or it's been really good because I've watched a lot of Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson just takes fake bacon and he throws it away. And it's so easy for us to tell these stories, right? To share, oh, this is what's been going on in life. Why are we so slow to say, man, quarantine's actually been pretty cool because God's slowed me down and he's taught me something. I've been able to be more consistent in my Bible reading because God's slowed down life a little bit for us. Actually, it, quarantine's been pretty hard because, uh, you know, the, I just feel like I'm wrestling with God a lot. Why is it so hard for us to bring up something like that in a conversation? When it's the very question that people are asking us. We make the excuse to say, oh, that's it's probably not the right goal. Or we start saying, oh, this probably just isn't the right time to start talking about God. We should taste and see that the Lord is good and we should tell people about it. We should say, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me share with how my heart is moving during this season. Let me tell you about what I'm learning. We're so quick to talk about all these shows that we enjoy or the food that we're eating or whatever it is. But we're slow to speak of the God who moves in our days, each and every single one. Why is that? Why don't we magnify God with each and every day of our lives? Why don't we sing His praises continually? Well, I, I think we do this. We like to do this, right? Because we fear the wrong thing. We fear man rather than fearing God. We put our fear in the wrong place and we start worrying, oh, what are they going to think of me? Am I going to offend them? Well, let me tell you, the gospel's offensive, and it never will not be. People will always be offended by the truth that Jesus is Lord. The gospel's offensive. But we should say, taste and see how good it is, though. Taste and see how wonderful and beautiful our God is. We fear man rather than fearing God. So what is fearing God, right? If we're going to talk about it, that sounds kind of weird. Is fearing God just mean we just follow Him because we're terrified of Him? And we hope that if we do these things that He'll save us? No! Jesus has delivered us from our sin. It's a free gift that we have to simply follow him and say, oh my gosh, this is absolutely beautiful. That's not what the fear of the Lord is, but for the unbeliever, for the non-Christian, the fear of the Lord is the fear of God's judgment on their life. But for the believer, for the Christian, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, it's a reverence. It's awe. It's being taken back by how absolutely amazing he is. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29 read beautifully about the fear of the Lord. It says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Imagine a consuming fire. It strikes you with reverence and awe. And you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's powerful. That 
cats, the, the fear of the Lord inside of us, that we see our God and we have this reverence and awe for who He is. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That the beginning of knowledge is coming to understand who God actually is. Coming to have reverence and awe for the God of the universe to be in worship of Him. To say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And when you see God for who He is, it opens up your eyes to the rest of the world. Right? It opens up your eyes to see life completely differently. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To see how big and powerful, amazing and beautiful our God is, knowing Him, leads us to walk in obedience with Him. Right? As David starts talking about the fear of the Lord, that the fear of God is our basis for how we walk, for how we worship, for how we serve, for how we love Him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. How we continue to walk in awe and reverence of Him. Because being in awe and reverence of Him, seeing Him for who He is, worshiping Him and serving Him and loving Him, leads us to follow Him. To be obedient to who He actually is. And it also reminds us that we don't lack anything. And we lack nothing because we have everything in Him. That He is everything. That we can worship Him completely. That we can worship our God and lack nothing else because we know that He provides. And we know that He's there for us. And we know that we can cry out to Him. And we know that He's near. We lack nothing when we have a relationship with our God. When we fear the Lord, we taste and see how rich His mercy is. When we fear the Lord, we see His steadfast abounding love. When we fear the Lord, it drives us to absolutely worship Him and say, I'm going to magnify Him. I'm going to sing His praises each and every single day. Why wouldn't we want to magnify that God together? Why wouldn't we want to say, taste and see that the Lord is good? Let me tell you about my God real quick. Let me tell you about what God's been doing in my life. I'll tell you how I'll tell you how my work week went. Because God's been moving. God's at work. God's doing something. As we continue to tell people about Him, we can also not just speak His praises, right? But we can actually fear the Lord and, and walk in obedience to Him. As David says in verse 11, he says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he instructs us, what is the fear of the Lord? What's that look like? How should we walk? And as followers of Christ, we should seek the Lord. We should keep our tongue from evil. We should speak no deceit. We should turn away from evil and do good. And we should seek peace and pursue it. How timely. We should pursue lives that honor God. We should continue to walk and love the Lord, not just with our words, but with our actions. So that we can point people to how beautiful He is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you about it. We should seek these lives and pursue peace. We should uh, seek after Him. We should keep our tongues pure. We should turn away from evil. Right? And He says, seek peace and pursue. And the reality is, church, as you guys know... This world's divided. That there's division all over the place, right? 
This world isn't very peaceful right now because people are, are divided over things opening up. People are divided over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. People are divided over churches. People are divided over the murder of George Floyd. People are divided over all sorts of things. And the world doesn't seem very peaceful right now. So we should do something about it. We should seek peace and pursue it. The scripture tells us to. We should hate evil as God hates evil. We should speak out against it. We should continue to point people to Jesus always. We shouldn't be divisive, but we should be unified as the body of Christ and continue to pursue Jesus together and Jesus alone. We should be bringing people in to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, would you magnify God with me? Would you hold each other accountable uh, to when we're being more divisive about different things? And would we hold each other accountable to actually being unified under the banner of Christ? As a family of God, would we hold each other accountable to continue to seek peace and pursue it, to continue to uh, have a pure tongue? Would we seek peace? And pursue it. Would we continue to live a life honoring to God? Would we fear the Lord with all that we say and all that we do? Would we magnify Him together? As we continue to fear the Lord and walk in reverence and awe of Him, that leads us to continually remember that we are redeemed by Him. So, let's read about that redemption. Starting in verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. While being delivered from Gath and the Philistines, David celebrates and rejoices how amazing and beautiful God is. As he uh, escapes the Philistines, though, he still has an enemy. He's still being persecuted by Saul. He's still running for his life. And yet he says that the Lord has delivered me from all things. It doesn't really make sense, right? As David wrestles and he praises God in the midst of it, he's still got something he's running from. But yet he praises God. And celebrates him and he talks about how the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. Now the righteous is those who follow the one true God, right? Those who walk in obedience to who God is and actually submit to, the, to their proper God and the true King. And so for us as believers, we are the righteous that we cry out and the Lord hears and he sees our face. And we can hold true to that because well, we're in the middle of pain. Well, we're in the middle of hurting. 
Well, we're in the middle of seeing anguish and hurt. We know that the Lord hears our cries. And we can remind ourselves of that truth. We can remind ourselves that the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. But the question still remains, why aren't we delivered yet? Why is there still pain? Why is there still hurt? Why is there still suffering? Whether it's the virus or finances or not having food, poverty, racism, sickness, death, why does all of this evil still exist here today? David says that the Lord delivers him from everything. So how can he say that? Well, it's because he's looking to his future deliverance. While he knows he's still being persecuted, he knows that he has a future deliverance and being with God forever and eternity as he worships him. And the same is true for us today, that we have a future deliverance that we're looking forward to, that we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and our faith in him leads to our future deliverance that we can look forward to. And while we're in the middle of all the pain and all the hurt and all the sorrow that is still on this side of heaven, we can magnify God together. And we can remember the future deliverance to come. Because when Jesus returns or we go, we just spend eternity with him. Eternal joy. Eternal peace. With the King. With Jesus himself. This is so beautiful that we can look to this and praise God and say, Lord, I can't wait for that. That we can look to our future deliverance and celebrate the fact that we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. We didn't work to earn it. He did it all himself, God. It's a beautiful deliverance that we have. The text goes on to say that uh, he keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. This is a prophecy about Jesus. As he took the cross and as he died, none of his bones were broken as we read in the Gospels, but his blood was shed for us so that we wouldn't be condemned. We have no condemnation because of Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as we continue to walk in this life, as we continue to hold on to magnify God, we can thank him for the fact that we won't be condemned because of him. Well, we deserved it. He took it for us. Well, we deserve the wrath of God. Jesus took that on so that we would have no condemnation. This is something we can rejoice and celebrate and sing to. This is something that we can say, I will magnify the Lord. My soul will boast deep down to its deepest core because of what he's done in my life. That I will continually remember to magnify him. So churches, we go forward. For the rest of our days, I want to personally invite you and ask you, would you magnify the Lord with me? Would you sing his praises each and every single day? Would you magnify God by fearing the Lord and following him and tasting others to taste and see the true joy that we have in Jesus Christ? Would you always remember that you've been delivered and you have a future deliverance and hope with Jesus? And we need to be with him for the rest of eternity. Would you ask yourself, every morning, for the rest of your days, how will I magnify God today? Let's pray.